Yo, yo, this is Treasy. And I'm Young Leezy. And we are the On Ear Network. We know you've heard our tag at the end of this show, but it dawned on us that we've never really introduced ourselves. So we wanted to invite you to listen to all of our podcasts. Right now, our roster consists of And Then We Had Sex, a comedy couple that talks about their sex life with an occasional celebrity. The Locker Room, where men take off their filters and say how they really feel. And Grams of Snow, for your underworld and organized crime stories. And of course, Kind of Movie Critics which is our show, where we deep dive into movies and TV. So if you enjoy this show, check out some of One Ear's other podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now let's start the show. I'm Robert Evans, Senior Vice President of Powerball Pictures. Now look, last few years have been rough for Hollywood. Now I'm sure the only question on your minds is, should you sell short or go long? And I understand that. Take a look around this table. None of you is sitting here because you played it safe. And you all know in some ways that the most important tool to help you in your pursuits is loyalty. I mean, you don't want your investors looking for a good time on a park bench. No, you want to develop a deep relationship. You want to create trust and love. But you can't do that with empty promises. Okay. Okay. I mean, not like complete. I think he made a. Let's start. Wait, no, we started. I'm already recording. Oh, hi, friends. <laughs> you think he made a uh, an interesting an interesting call? An interesting that call. I don't know if he can back up. Mm. But we'll see what the little homie can help him with. You know, he I thought he was gonna kill the poor man over the antipasti, but. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just knew yes, man. He thought it too. You look like, hey, we right. here alone. You order me good wine. Hold on. Yeah, he I like you every day, my nigga. What you mean? What you <laughs> mean? Where, where everybody else at? Right. I don't yeah, see yeah. no witnesses. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, nah. I knew he wasn't gonna pop him. Um, you know, just got to do shit under the table. But anyway, man, Grams of Snow podcast, your favorite mobster, gangster, mafia, street gang, drug related, Rico, everything, motherfucking podcast. Okay. On a bean today, my God. Yeah. What, what is that stuff you bought in? What's it called? Beignets. Beignets. See, she bought in some fucking fat nigga treats, some Scooby snacks. For... <laughs> He's never had a beignet. <laughs> he bought, she bought in some Scooby snacks for a big nigga, and oh I God. went crazy. So now I'm, hy- good. I'm hyped off carbs and, and, and confectioners. Powdered sugar. Powdered yeah. sugar, yeah, whatever it's welcome. called. I yeah. make him take the rest of them too. I bought a whole bag. I brought them to get rid of them. Mm. But I'm, you bought them to get rid of. Them. I don't. I can't continue to eat like that. I'm a girl. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, that's your truth. If that, that's how you no, feel. That's true. You can do. Women can do whatever they want. Absolutely. Yeah. So yep. you, can, you can eat as many as you want. You can. Yeah. I wouldn't pin it on your gender. That's all I'm trying to say. Well, at my particular level of estrogen does not respond well to a bunch of carbs how's that got it got it what what would too much carbs do to your estrogen um the way that you process food and digest stuff is affected by your hormones fuck where you carry um, weight at stuff like that my body is not a fan of carbs like some people can eat carbs and they're fine like right like a low carb diet isn't good for everybody right it is good for me so oh so that okay that that makes sense now that I'm thinking about it now that you said that it makes sense with my life don't bring beignets anymore <laughs> <laughs> no more beignets <laughs> okay per, it makes perfect sense now for me but uh I mean but after you take this back then God damn yeah it's not gonna be hard what you do is you wait till tomorrow morning and you dip it in your coffee oh six don't tell me that that's what you do because there'll be a little um not stale but a little more firm little crunchy yeah you dip it in the coffee. 
You see how you yeah, see how women do like I was skinny before we started this podcast. <laughs> when women care about you, they make sure you know you stay well fed. Just don't say that because somebody's gonna get the wrong idea. You're my you friend. Say, That's true. That thank you for clarifying. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure you clarified that. Oh yeah, I feed all my friends. <laughs> Man, yeah, I was skinny before we started this whole podcast Absolutely. series. Y'all should see. Y'all should go back and look at my Instagram stories <sighs> and stuff. God. <laughs> um, but we're here to talk about. The Offer, mm-hmm, Paramount mm-hmm. Plus, episode six. Episode six or five? This is this is six, I believe. This is six. We're on yeah. five of We Own the City. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I know it gets all jumbled, yeah. right? Like we, yo, we fucking back-to-back combo cross podcasting all week for niggas, man. Yeah, y'all deserve. Yeah, so. Because after these two go off, we got to figure it out. So you might have a week or two where you got to spend <laughs> playing catch-up. That's a fact. We got some ideas, but, but she's absolutely right. Um. With that being said, man, make sure you, you guys pull out your phones and uh, follow us on our socials to stay in touch with, you know, whatever content we give you. We're a little sparing these days, but. Or send us recommendations for stuff you want us to do. Yeah. Yeah. Can you give them our socials? Because I always forget. Yes. On Instagram, we are Grams of Snow Pod. On Twitter, we are Grams of Snow. Mm-hmm. So we're going to catch y'all next week for the. No, I'm just fucking with you. It felt like it was the end of the podcast. Uh, right. Whenever like, you give you know the socials. I'm not going to argue with him today. <laughs> well, how come? What's, what's your condition right now, Six? Can you, you mind telling people? Uh, no, I'm not doing this with you. <laughs> Six is too old to drink. Yeah. And she did. Six got on a hat and glasses and. Whoa. Yeah, a lot going on. She real paparazzi ready right now. Yeah. So, you know, Six can't drink. That's just the, the moral of the story, I guess. I used to be able to. I used to be able to, but now I'm old. Let me tell you something about that getting old, man. Jesus. That, that kidney and that liver just be like, you know what, boo-boo? And it's like, you know, I got drunk last night, but it wasn't crazy. I wasn't acting crazy. I held my liquor fine. I just think that I'm going to be being hungover all day. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. That's wild. It's crazy. You didn't take any, like, pre, like, something for I that? I took my BC powder like I know better. I Being old also teaches you. Okay. Before. The trick is before you drink, uh-huh. you take a goodie powder. Mm-hmm. And you drink like a Pedialyte. Okay. And then when you get home, you have another Pedialyte mm-hmm. and you drink it. And you should be fine. Right. And Normally you... I am. I think the Jameson tried to take me out of here last night. See, that was your problem right there, the Jameson. Yeah, I think it was a Jameson. Yep, that was the problem. Yeah. Um. Shout out to my brother, Christopher Schaefer, man. We had an amazing day yesterday. Pause. We just, we chilled out. And just they had a bro life. date. We had a bro, we had a bromance. I love when guys have their little bro dates. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was well needed. I work a lot, Six. So. Yeah. Um. So, oh, let me go ahead and introduce us, because apparently with the offer, I've been fucking up. So. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you know the A mic, man, because we're on Godfather territory. So I hold the crown, Fort mm-hmm. Knox, Young Treasy, a.k.a. Lumpy Johnson. I like it. You like it, right? I like it. It fits, man. I like I it, like too. It. And my co-host, Six, Six the Illis. AKA Hungover Six, AKA <laughs> Madam St. Clair. Okay. I don't know who that is. Maybe you know who Madam St. Clair is? No. So she Maybe was I like she was like the she was like the biggest woman, black woman gangster that Harlem ever had. Really? Let me go ahead and Google her. She now. was like a numbers runner, like like the the legend is is that niggas like Bumpy and shit reported to her. Oh, I love it here. You know that like they they kicked it up to her. Then you got damn right, so I'm Adam St. Clair. I think What's she it? I think she ran women. I think she ran numbers. I love that for her. Yeah, Madam St. Clair. If I if I and I could be mistaken, um, but if you see if you watch Hoodlum, have you ever seen Hoodlum? Of course, yeah. Okay, so Hood, Cicely Tyson played her in Hoodlum. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and you kind of got a little bit of the. You should go back and watch it. Hoodlum was a really good movie. 
Um, I have seen her. The, are you talking to them? Well, I'm talking to you too, because because you don't remember <laughs> Madame St. Clair. Got so, you. so maybe you missed a few things. You know what I mean? But uh, somebody should do a if if she is indeed a true figure, a real figure in Harlem gangster history. Somebody should really do a biopic on her, man, because like that's what we don't see enough. Is we don't see one. We don't see a lot of women. She is real in the mob. Like uh, organized crime, you know, women in organized crime, mm-hmm. and even more scarce is black women in organized. Stephanie St. Clair. Yep, Stephanie St. Clair. Yep. So, uh, yeah, man, so, so I, I challenge somebody to do a biopic on her, man, because she was, you know, if, if if the legend is true, she was that motherfucker, man. The mob tried to recruit her, and she said no. Oh, honey, please. I got my numbers. So I feel like I feel like you ever seen Harlem Nights? Yes. I feel like Richard Pryor's character in Harlem Nights was her. Was kind of like loosely based on her. Okay. That's what I I feel like what she was, you know, Sugar Ray and and what um what's her name that uh that Eddie Murphy that quick shot in the pinky toe. Uh Della is Della, Della Reese, Reese, but I forget character. her. Yeah, yeah, I forget. I feel like you shot my pinky toe. Man. I f- I feel like Madame St. Clair was a combination a of, of those two. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what I feel like. Um, which, by the way, Harlem Nights is one of those underrated gangster films nobody talk about. Maybe we should. Huh? Maybe we should. I think we should, man. I, I think we should. We haven't. I think we should work on that episode we talked about. Yes. With with the, the establishing. Because we've been having this this ongoing conversation about gangster movies and what is one and what is a gangster movie and we're trying to really put together a special episode to and bring on some people that can help us classify yeah what gang what a gangster movie actually is that I, will usher us into some other things i truly hope that this happens so uh, you know just have put, you still been having those conversations or um yeah i, I have we haven't talked much this week okay. like like we we I th- we talked about it last week mm-hmm. And we haven't gotten to it this week, okay. but I, I think what I'm going to do is put together like, you know, sort of like a one sheeter just to explain to them what we want to do. Okay. Because they want to do the pot. Yeah. But, you know, I just, I I think they think it's in another capacity and I want to just sort of like give them a specific understanding of what we want to do with it. Gotcha. And if they're on board with it, it's, I think it's all about scheduling at that point. Okay, cool. And, uh, you know, just to share a little bit of information, one of the guys is on the West Coast, a real West Coast nigga. That's all I'm going to tell you. Not that shoulder bounce. <laughs> Treasy did the shimmy, did the, bin- what, the beignets. Did is that the beignets, yes. I did the beignet shimmy. You see? are so dramatic. <laughs> You're like a kid when they get sugar. Yeah, that's a fact. <laughs> um, But 10 minutes in, let's get into this offer. <laughs> Cause we we ain't talking about shit. We ain't talking about shit yet. So, um, six. This is a Betty Stan account. Okay, talk about it. Just Betty, get the shit done. Okay, yeah. something needs to be done. Let's just fucking do it. What are we doing? Right. Just, just move. I'll do it. Right. That's this Betty's whole life. Move. I'll do it. Yeah. I love that. She, she is amazing. Yeah. I, you, one only hopes to find a partnership. Like in that. any capacity. In any capacity a friendship, like that. A, yeah, a partnership, a relationship, right. anything. Right. Like that, where it's like... I'm going to smack you in your shit, yes. but also, let's go move. I'll fix it. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and obviously what you can see with Ruddy... Okay, Ruddy's a gangster. Period. That I think that's... To me, that's what this episode established. 
Ruddy is a he really like I see why him and Joe Colombo get along so well. Ruddy walking that bitch said I did it and yeah, period. <laughs> it was for this, you know. Whatever. I did it. It needs to be done. Now what? What are you gonna do? Fire me? Yes. Cool. Bye. <laughs> Peace and give me your cigars. Right. <laughs> and I'm I'm the fuck out of here. Um, how well do you understand delegation? Pretty well. I I I'd hope so. How how do you feel like you operate well in delegation? Like, do you feel like you delegate well? At work, absolutely. Okay. At home, probably not. Okay. But it's my, I'm a project manager by trade, so it's literally my job to delegate. Um, so I do it well there, but at home, I could probably do better about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm learning about myself. That's something that I'm trying to strengthen is, is delegation. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't do well with delegation. I don't do well with like, um, I don't do well with consistent updates i don't do well with like every time a tremor happens in a situation you know sit here let's get the team around a tremor just happened you know i'm not good at that i'm good at like milestone you know okay here's where we're at with shit you know but all of this stuff in between a and and d happened well with delegation it's part of their job to bring tremors to you so you set them my understanding of it okay um you set, there's an end goal, there's milestones in between. Mm-hmm. And to get there, I want you to do this. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. Mm-hmm. And we'll meet weekly and talk about what's going on with you. And I'll make sure that I have the oversight to to either escalate things for you or yeah. get you what you need. Okay. Like you said before, like, I think project management and being a producer yeah. are very in line. They are. Yeah. So that's my understanding of delegation. It's, I have all this to do. Mm-hmm. but you're good at this and you're good at this. So I'm going to trust you because you're good at it right. to do it well. And if you need anything from me to do it, let me know. Right. But there are other things that I have to do that you aren't good at. Right. As far at this level. So. And it, I think that's a very concise and clear explanation of it. Like, so what I found myself saying in this episode, I, I was looking at, I was looking at how heavily involved Ruddy is with the situation, which I I completely understand that as a producer. I understand how hands-on and how many, you know, it's constantly putting out fires. Mm -hmm. And then I was was trying to understand things from, like, um, uh, from Bob Evans' side. Okay. You know, like, he had to, he pretty much had to pick up and leave Allie, right? Allie, she got this movie with Steve McQueen. I feel so bad for her. I really want to talk about this. Okay. Because... I get both sides, but I still feel bad for her. Uh, right. And, and I get both sides too. And and this is, I, I was dying for you to come in here to, so I could talk about this because this is a place that I really need understanding Okay, from a, a woman. Okay. Right. And an emotional one like her. Yeah. Okay. You can say it. You can say <laughs> well, it. No, that, that wasn't what I was thinking. Oh. Just a woman. You know what I mean? Because, you know, I mean, because the scene was a man and a woman. Yeah. You know, so uh, yeah, I understood Bob Evans' side a thousand percent. And I found myself saying, I don't understand what Allie doesn't understand about what he's got going on. You know, um, I, w- what I gathered from that. And so what we're talking about, obviously, is the scene where Evans uh, finally gets, you know, he saw everybody saw that Ruddy was on stage with Joe Colombo. Right. And everybody knows that this is going to affect Paramount somehow. Not that he was just on stage, but Joe Colombo asserted that Gulf and Western and he were in business together. Right, right. He he definitely implied that. Yeah. So, you know, so the scene that we're talking about is when, you know, Bob Evans is, gets off the phone and is like, I have to go to New York to fix this problem. Mm-hmm. And Allie's packing up to go to Texas because she has this movie with Steve McQueen, yada, yada, yada. 
Okay. I don't understand. I don't completely understand. I looked at Ali's response to that as very self-serving. I, I need you to explain to me how I'm wrong or maybe not how I'm wrong, but just give me better clarity on, because I know, I know she just can't be an asshole and, no. and a selfish woman. So I, throughout this series, we have watched Bob have to put Betty's, not Betty, Allie's second constantly in her career mm-hmm. um, and skip out on things and leave her at home. And, and she's never made a stink about it. Mm-hmm. It was okay. Okay. Well, you know, okay. Dinner, a date is one thing, but we know that she's an aspiring actress and it's not just like some bimbo aspiring actress. She really wants to be an actress. Mm -hmm. She might actually have talent and she finally gets a chance to go meet with Steve McQueen about a movie Mm -hmm. and she's excited and this is important to her now. And we're always excited for you, Bob. We always do what you need to do. Always show up when you need me to show up for you. Mm -hmm. I always put myself second when you need me to, to make it easier. But now this one thing is actually really important to me. And again, you're choosing something over me. I'm sure that she understands, Mm -hmm. but also it's like, how, why am I always the one sacrificing? Because yes, that's big to you, but someone, she's right. Someone else could have done that. Would have gotten done the same way? No. Not that thing, but good. It wouldn't have gotten done the same way. Right. But someone else could have done it. No, somebody else could have done that. I'm I'm sorry to cut you off. I apologize for cutting you off. You you say that as a creative who understands that, mm-hmm. that there's a certain way that it needed to be done. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is the bare bones of it, someone else could have done it. The guy on the plane could have carried a message for him. I'm not saying it would have been done well or right. the way that it needed to be saved, but it could have been done. Right. So for her, all she saw was, this is really important to me. Mm-hmm. And you know that. And you know there have been other important things where I've had to constantly turn the other cheek and say, all right. You're right. For you, we're going to make a sacrifice. For you, we'll do this. For you, we'll do that. Okay, when's my turn? Right. This was her turn, and she didn't get it. And again, I understand why she didn't get it. Right. I understand why she couldn't get it. But I'm saying I see what she, where she's coming from because it's like, God damn, again? Again? Yeah. Every episode we have watched Bob have to deny her something for his career. Right. Every single episode. It, um, it's not that she didn't understand. It's that I'm tired of tired this. Of, it's my right. turn. Like, I'm equally as important as you. Right. When are you going to keep your word to me? You show up for everybody else but me. Um. So I guess what she doesn't see is that he has these, he has somewhat the same conflicts with everybody. Right? Like, But to, she's not everybody. That's his partner. And see, that's my problem, too. Like, so that that's my problem. Like... That becomes, and this is probably what makes me, you know, probably like hard to, hard to, you know, hard to understand in that particular space. Um, that man is ahead of, he is, he is in charge of a lot of employment. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I get that that should, you know, that's his partner. Okay, so what I didn't take from that scene is that if he doesn't get on that plane, she doesn't get the part. I didn't get that. I got yep. that, like, you're just coming with me for whatever. He's not in the movie. He is influential, though. He is still Bob Evans. Oh, you see what I'm saying? But th- that in- but that influence exists because he takes care of his business. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So, like, it- it's like... um. <sighs> 
I'm trying to think of a really good analogy here, man. You know, when you buy a tiger, you got to feed it too. Mm -hmm. That is my favorite quote of all time. Tigers aren't fed daily. Um, Okay. I, to be honest, I don't know how much tigers don't eat every day. Okay, okay. That's, like in the wild, a tiger, you're, they're not catching something every day. Right, that's fair. But when they eat, it's the the point is is that there's a maintenance cost to everything that you want. Exactly, and, and it's usually a big expense. Exactly, there's a maintenance cost to uh-huh. everything that you want. Right, right. Mm-hmm. What what am I missing there? Your relationship has a maintenance cost. Yeah. I, I think that man wants, I think he wants his career more than he wants his relationship. And that's part, that could be very true. Mm -hmm. But then that's also fair for her to be upset then. Oh, no. If she can feel that. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's what he's saying. Yeah. That's what his actions are showing. Yeah. It's everything's important to you but me. You're treating me like I'm everybody else. And I'm not. I'm not supposed to be. And if I am, you shouldn't be with me. Oh, okay. Then then that conversation is absolutely fair. And then, then the the point that gets weird for me is this is who he was before you showed up. Okay. So are you who you were two weeks ago? I hope not. Two years yeah, ago. I mean, in terms of like the things that you're pa- that I'm passionate about. Absolutely. I've, I've been passionate. I've been passionate about what I'm passionate about since 2001. No, no I'm not talking about that. Yeah. I just mean in the sense that when you're with someone, uh-huh. when you bring someone into your life, uh-huh. if you're going to choose them to be around, you have to, everyone has to contort. To make this life together work, mm-hmm. things are going to have to change. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're passionate about your work, but I'm here. Right. So if you want me here, you have to make space for me. Yeah. And if you can't make space for me, that's fine. Right. Because I won't ask you to leave this. You love it. But if you can't love me too, no need for me to be here. Because he- now I just constantly feel rejected. Now it's I'm constantly on the back burner. And all you have for me is this is work. I know. He, but she was just in the highest grossing film. Of, she was the star. What's that got to do with her high, relationship? And, See, because you keep talking about work. What she is talking about is not no, work or that movie. She's talking about him showing up for her. Mm. No, what she, what, but the showing up is rooted in her wanting to be an actress. No, it's not. The showing up is this is important to me and I want you around. But what's important? It doesn't matter what it is. It could be go picking fucking strawberries at Pungo. But in this particular instance, but what is the importance? I don't think that's what it that's what it's about though. I think it's about you don't show up for me. Hmm, that's interesting. I cuz I don't I I know it's coming off like I don't understand what you're saying. I totally understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. A thousand percent. I get the metaphor. I get the I I you know, I get the direct assertion of of exactly what you're saying is mm-hmm. that he's not digging into what's important for her. Um, he's not showing up for her. That, let's, let's take the importance out of it. Right. He's not showing up for her. And she is constantly made to show up for him. Even if showing up means, you're right, this time I can't have this, so cancel the date. Cancel this. We're hanging out by the pool today, supposed to be relaxing together, but you have to take a call. We're about to have sex, but Jack Nicholson called. Okay, here. <laughs> I'm constantly showing up for you. In the, when you say that, I, yeah. I heard someone say that reciprocity in a relationship mm-hmm. is not what you want. You want people to show up for you the way you need to be shown up for, right? So okay. what it looks like to show up for you, if if w- people cannot give you tit for chat. So if I need A, B, and C to feel shown up for, seen, and loved, mm-hmm. and you need D, E, and F, I can't give you A, B, and C because you give it to me. I have right. to give you what you need. So for him, showing up looks like taking a back seat sometimes. 
mm. and being okay with it and not making him feel bad about it. Mm. For her showing up means literally, hey, I'm really nervous and I'm more comfortable when you're here. Mm. I need you there to hold my hand. I can do this. I know I can do it, but I want to look to my right and see you there. You make you give me peace. You bring me comfort. I want you there. Mm. I want to know that you feel this way about. I want to know that you were there. Mm. And he can't do that for her constantly. Do you think he knows that that's what she needs, or do you think that maybe he thinks it's something else? I don't think he cares. Okay, that's then that's a possibility. He never too. has. We don't ever see the conversation. And again, this is a movie, yeah. but like yeah, yeah, yeah. a show rather. We don't ever see the conversation, right. but he, we also don't ever see him ask. Yeah. That's tr- okay, so so the remedy because I try to be solution based. Everything I have a solution by the way, but keep going. <laughs> but but the remedy, one good step that he could take is asking what it is that's important to her. Is it's not about what's important. I'm confused. He's not showing up. R- right. It, whether it was important but, or not, you you said A and you were doing B. Yeah. Constantly. Okay. If you tell me, my dad used to make this joke, but. It was dramatic, but it's true that while he was a lot of things to my mom, what he was always was dependable. If my dad told you he was going to take 15 steps from the door to get to his car, uh-huh. it was going to take him 17. He's going to call you and let you know the plan changed. Because uh-huh. he's going to always do exactly what he said he's going to do. If nothing else, he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Right. You said you do this. Right. Now you're not. And again. And again. And again. And not just not doing it. It's so you can do for something else. Right. Constantly. And that's uh, important and special to you. This has a, a place in your heart. Uh, this is a priority for you. So I'm never the priority. You never keep your word to me. You never honor what you say to me. You're a stand-up guy to everybody else but me. Because of what it looks like for you to be a good man and well-rounded and dependable is that. I can see it. I can see you showing up for everyone else. Right. I can see everyone able to depend on you. Why can everyone depend on what you say but me? I, again, I just think I think it's a matter of perce- I, I, so. That's not it, perception. It, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I think it is because I think I think a lot of things happen in the business where he's constantly having to go back on something that he said that he was going to do or letting somebody down. I think that happens in the business model in the business world too. You know what I'm saying? I, I just think that That's like, a- huh? Well, I'm I'm not making an excuse for him. I what I because I get it. What you're what you're saying is from Ali's perspective and these. Allie and his job should not be equals. That's the that's the part I I, I I'll say that that's the part that I struggle with. Um, you know, just uh, because one is sort of dependent on the other, right? Like I don't know what you mean. Um, if if a cert if certain people don't feel fulfilled as like their own identity within their own career, and they feel fulfilled. Mm-hmm. It's hard for them to love outside of themselves. Absolutely. So I'm t- like this guy, you know, Bob Evans seems a little bit egocentric. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you know, him and Ruddy, right? Like m- most of the guys here. Uh, most you know, creative people, men especially are. Right. They can be. They can, not be, can be. I don't know one who is not. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Um. I feel like creativity depends on valuing your reality or over everyone else's. Well, I think that you just have to like I think 
just the sheer idea that creativity, you're creating things from thin air, you're creating IP that doesn't actually exist, right? They're making these movies that don't, they're not chiseling them from stone where like a stone exists and they're making it into reality. They're literally making images from nothing. Yeah. So I think that like imagination is the driving force behind creativity. So therefore, Im imagination, a, a sense of delusion has to exist within creativity in that way. I'm not, we saying the same thing. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm digging into it a little further. And and again, I, I'm not trying to oppose it. No, no, you're here, good. Because yeah. what you're saying is real. Uh, but that's the part that I think gets missed is that like sometimes I think, um, and and I, this to me, see, my thing is this is as much on Bob as it is on Ali. You know what I'm saying? Like in my from my measly man brain perspective. Stop saying things like that. Well, I have to because I don't want me I don't want anybody to think that like because I'm saying it's the authority. I know no, that no, like, it's I a mean very... measly man brain. You know I'm a menace. I hate people do that. Okay. Well, I'm speaking about me, but I feel you. still that's even more reason. Be nice to my friend. <laughs> I appreciate you. Um I I put it on him as much as her because as a creative because she's somebody who's in the creative business as well. You're you're not marrying, oh you or you're not with just a you're not with a gaffer. You're not with a production assistant, right? You're with the studio head, mm -hmm. and you're getting perks from it. You're in the high, You're a star of the highest grossing film in Paramount. Not saying that uh, you want to be an actress. So so to convince me that's not of importance to you would would be just a, a whole nother conversation, right? Like mm -hmm. I know that that was that you becoming an actress and being in the highest grossing film in, in a studio's history. I'm pretty sure that was, if it wasn't on your bucket list, it was great to check it off. Mm -hmm. Okay. The job comes with perks. You probably know people and can have certain conversations. You probably in this McQueen movie simply because maybe, maybe not that may, that may not be fair, but simply because you are Bob Evans's woman. You know, and maybe that's a source of a problem for her. I don't want to be Bob Evans's anything. I want to be my own Allie, whatever her last name is. And then I feel bad because, see, but I don't think they've explained Allie Shaw. Let's just say Shaw. It doesn't matter. Oh, <laughs> um, because that's kind of, that kind of like goes right into the point. But um, with her not having an identity, what I'm saying is like the job comes with perks or the, the position comes with perks. Um. The, the, of course, the perks shouldn't be of the most utmost importance, but in these particular situations, I don't know how much batting average gets gets um, taken into consideration. It it, all, it it seems like it's a it's an all or none game. Either like I can say you always keep your word, or if you don't keep it once or twice, you never keep your word. It's like a zero sum game. This projection. Yeah. Um, um, this is projection for I, sure. I think that. <laughs> It is wildly unfair mm -hmm. to think that only you should be contorted to. Mm -hmm. And I think that you may be using the wrong criteria to find this batting average. And I think that in a relationship, mm -hmm. you should want to level up your partner anyway. And that should not be considered, well, I can do this because I give you this. Because of me, you can do this. So it's okay if I do this. Yeah. That's not fair. And it's not fair to think, well, you know who I was when I got here and this comes with being with me. Okay, it could. Mm -hmm. But this comes with being with me. Mm. So you're right. It Sometimes I'm not going to get to go to dinner. Sometimes 
I'm not getting my back blown out because Jack Nicholson called. Mm -hmm. Sometimes my day by the pool where I want to relax and just be with Bob, not Bob Evans, the head of Paramount, is going to get fucked up because he has to go put a fire out. He's the best at putting fires out. But we knew long enough ago to get a flight, to review a script, and to do all this, that Steve V. McQueen wanted me in this movie. Mm. And you told me you were going to come. And now you're not. And probably, I feel like Bob knows that she is a person who says, hey, I want to be around you. Because he, he's not dumb. We get like social cues that he understands mm-hmm. why she's upset. Yeah. So Allie has to bend to him from what we've seen a lot. Mm-hmm. And maybe Bob feels like you. We've seen him make little comments about her being in movies like that. You're right. That's not fair. You're y'all together. Right. You're supposed to be leveling her up. What you doing? Right, right, right. Of course. Yeah. The same way. And she could be there because I care. I'm deeply. But also, this is the perk. She at least 15 years younger than him. Mm-hmm. You get a perk too. As a studio head, you having a young, beautiful girl in your arm, you get that's a perk for you. Mm-hmm. Women are assets in a boardroom. Believe it or not. We don't have to step in a boardroom to know. Mm-hmm. You've never seen an unmarried president. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's 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 true. That's really real. Mike, so that it's not fair um to and and I get it cuz I've dated a creative and I don't know that I'm not saying I never do it again but it's a lot yeah it's a lot because like you said they are the center of their own universe but it's what makes them good at what they do because they have that much confidence in their way and their brain they have to to be good at it yeah. but also it can become very unfair when they think that you have to live in their delusion too and I say, I don't yeah. mean delusion in a derogatory way. Yeah. But at some point, you have to step into the collective reality. Yeah. Your reality is great and it gets shit done. But at some point, mm-hmm. you got to meet me in mine. Yeah. No, that, what you're saying, I think is fair. I think, that, you know, when, when you, if I were to read that on paper, that, and just hearing it now, I mean, that what you're saying is very fair. Um. And it, life ain't it's, always fair, right? Like, yeah. I think that, like you said, we talked about before, alchemy, finding like Betty seems like somebody who could date a creative and be cool. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, but That's... everybody's not Betty, and most of the people who are creative don't want Betty. Why? Why would that? Why would that be? Betty got a lot to say. Bob couldn't date Betty. Yeah, but okay. Well, the, the, here's another thing too. Bob is not really creative. Bob is Bob is more so. I mean, men in power. Like, he's in the creative in space. The reason Charles into yeah. her because he probably has a humiliation kink. Right. If we're being honest. Right. Men like that, like being told to shut up and get smacked and carrying on. Who, Bob? No, Charles. Char- oh, oh, blood horn. Yeah, yeah, blood horn. Because yeah, apparently yeah. him and Betty, like, this is like a thing. Yeah. It's kind of cute. But he he likes outspoken. Yes. A lot. But he might have like a little humiliation kink because like he just. Right. But I'm saying in general, that's not, one, there aren't a lot of Bettys. Yeah. And two, Betty's not a perk. Let's let's keep it a band. What do you mean she's not Betty a Betty is an alley. Betty don't look the same on your arm in a boardroom when you're oh, Bob Evans. Right, right. When you're Bob Evans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can see that. You know, I mean, he, the guy is the guy is definitely vanity-based. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, Most creatives are. Uh, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't yeah. say that. I, I think I think, I think think certain creatives are, you know. Um, but I think part, so like some photographers, for instance, you mm-hmm. know, p- people that are like, like behind the camera and stuff like that. They've seen a lot of perfection. Mm-hmm. Or what what mere mortals would would deem yeah. as perfection, right? They're not that doesn't do anything for them. 
Some some of them. Hosey some of them. Beyonce, you're right. Some of them see well, but it's just true. some of them see the beauty in the things that other people don't see, and that's what makes them a good photographer, mm-hmm. right? It's like how they view things, and and then that that can become alluring for you know maybe some some women who maybe get overlooked. You know, I noticed that this guy's work that he sees something beautiful in this. Maybe he can see something beautiful in me. You yeah, know? but Betty would leave Bob Evans. Yeah, probably. Because this would have happened to Betty twice. Okay. Bob Evans is shallow. And I hate that Like I'm even advocating no, 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 for this no, guy. No, no, no. Let's say that Allie was like Betty. Let's say that she had the same manners, okay. mannerisms. She wouldn't be in the show. You're not disappointing Betty twice. I, I, I'm, I'm missing what you're saying. You're not. If Bob consistently did not show up for a woman like Betty. Oh, got it, got it, got they it. They would leave. Yeah. They're not making excuses for you. I, and it's in an effort to not change you. This is who you are. This works for you. Yeah. And you love this. And because I actually do love you and care about you, I don't want you to change that. Yeah. But I don't fit here. Okay. I like Betty. I like the way Betty processes. That's fine. Yeah. But think about yourself. Yeah. So if you want to keep Betty around, you have to meet her where she is sometimes. Yeah. yeah. That's no. all. Interesting. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that's cool. Yeah. You can do that. But then this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either way, it's fine. Yeah, sure. But every action has a reaction. That's all. That's a fact. See, I, I'm, you can do you whatever know. you want. <laughs> yeah. But that's where I live. I live in that, like, every action is a re- has a reaction. That can come off nonchalant when you say you love someone. Uh, yeah, I'm learning. I'm learning. But yeah. it's, you know, it's it's the thing that got me where I, I have a lot to unlearn about a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. And then there's some things it's going to be a very hard negotiation to get me to unlearn <laughs> because it got me here. And I am, I'm at the end of it, I'm happy with who I am here. Mm-hmm. Until you present me with a safer alternative with somebody who I know is going to have my back in all means, it's going to be hard to strip me from the thing that got me. It's going to be hard oh, negotiation. That, that's a fact. That's a, that's so, what you work through with you and your therapist. That's a fact. That's a fact. Because what you just said was, I don't feel safe outside of this, which means it's a coping mechanism. It's not really a quirk personality trait. This makes me feel safe. So I have to have it. Oh. That's what you just said. Dr. So that's, Six Medicine Woman. Yeah, that's not a relationship issue. Not an issue at all. It doesn't have to be an issue at all. Yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. not a relationship thing. That's a you thing. No, this I know. Yeah. I, I, I never have a problem admitting that, like, I, I'm, I'm a, a piece that needs work. I, like, you I don't, are. I don't have, but but some people have a real problem admitting that or even identifying it. Mm-hmm. That that doesn't exist with Treasy. The problem that you have with Treasy is convincing, convincing me that you, that know. you know, well, convincing me that you know me better than me. That's where you have the problem. You know what I'm saying? Is that, you know, and I don't mean you. But, Outside perspective is valuable, even if they don't know. And it's always t- six. Haven't you told me about myself plenty of times? Hell yeah. Uh, and, and how do I you receive? You only drag it? me up here. <laughs> but but it's it, quite the opposite. Really. <laughs> but so so it's taken. It's always taken into consideration. You see adjustment. Well, let me just ask you: Do you see adjustments m- made when said thing is addressed? Yeah. Never have a problem taking criticism. But it it it, it really just comes down to where it's coming from. This is starting to feel wildly personal, so I'm trying to tread lightly. Yeah, I'm almost ready to just. Yeah. We haven't even. This is the first scene we talked about. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, it was projection earlier, but now I was like, hmm, I'm gonna, gonna pull back. Like, Man, and, I no, can't no. say what I want to say. What does Joe Budden say? Comedy style? Comedy style. Yeah, no, this is nothing personal at all. This is just yeah. me. This is me theorizing for our listeners here because I'm yeah. trying to make good conversation. Yeah. Here. But 
thank you for giving give thank you for giving me perspective on uh-huh. Allie. Yeah. Um, golf and Western obviously wants to sell, which makes sense. Sure. Right. I mean, it makes sense, and you know, you're coming off you you want to sell an asset in your portfolio. It's coming off one of the best sales years that it's ever had. Mm-hmm. Why not go for it? They they say the best time to sell is when you're on top. Yep. So so it makes sense to you. Golf and Western wanting to sell. Uh, I, before Godfather existed, just put yourself in that shoe. Does it make sense? But a love story didn't exist without the Godfather existing too. So, and understand. also, I'm not a person who I'd have to know more about Golf and Western's portfolio to think that's smart. From what I understand, man, it, it was a lot of commodity. You know, was, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of things that you wouldn't think, like you know, lighters and <laughs> car parts and shit like that. Like it seemed like some just very, you know, you. Are we saying that Paramount was like had a high too, had a very high overhead in comparison to everything else they did that turned profit? That part I don't know the accounting side, but I, I would f- have to know that to think it's smart because if it's earning all this money, yeah, and it's paying for itself. No, because that's a business asset and it's business credit and collateral. I wouldn't get rid of it. Mm. I I, th- I I I get the sense that like with golf and Western, the real problem with Paramount is that we create intangibles. Everything else that we create is tangible. Yeah, there's a process to it. There's you know there's a cost of goods sold, and it's easy to account for. Whereas like there's just always seems to be these you know, unexplained expenses and human resource and things that we can't necessarily control yeah. with a machine. Um, I get the vibe because when you think about like who Jack Ballard is and who this uh Lapidus guy is, which by the way, that's that's Tom Hanks' son that's playing Lapidus. I don't know if you knew that. Um not Chet Hanks. He has a he has a whole nother son um okay. that's that actually takes acting very seriously. Not saying Chet Hanks doesn't. Chet Hanks don't. He has a really good. They he has a really good scene in um this season of Atlanta. Not watching it. Oh, it's hilarious. It's really good because because it's like they're making fun of him, but they're using him in a way that they, he's being made fun of. But it's funny. It's the same thing with uh, Liam Neeson. There's like a, a scene. There's a scene where they're using Liam Neeson, making fun of some real world shit, but it's funny in the show. Anyway, um, Lapidus. And Jack Ballard seemed to be very black and white, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's no nuance to these guys. There's no sense of humor to these guys. You know, it's very like, that's too much. Get it out of here. You know, it's yeah. very binary in that way. Whereas, like, they, you know, they don't, they don't have enough computing power to understand, you know, anomalies and things of that nature. So that leads me to believe that the rest of Gulf, Gulf and Westerns portfolio is full of tangibles gotcha yeah um, i mean then i get it but the line of business that i'm in is completely intangible so my brain probably couldn't operate tangibles to be honest got it got yeah. it i think you could but i get what I you're forecast saying. finances based off vibes right now so like for a living yo so that, that's a hell of a soft skill though bro so, that's a hell of a soft skill literal vibes yeah so. like eh, i'm not feeling that i don't think that's right no, literally. Yeah. We'll probably do this. I mean, they're going to ask us for this. Yeah. They might ask for that. I don't know. They've been doing acting like this. Maybe we, that's literally how I forecast finances. Right. So, right. I mean, a bit more refined, but. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. I, so the, an interesting dynamic that. The, I, I, okay. I identified with two interesting dynamics with this episode. Mm-hmm. One, looking at the idea that like everybody reports to someone. 
right? Mm-hmm. So, um, this whole thing happened with Joe Colombo. Fucking Joe. Joe Colombo reports to the commission. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Golf and Western, you know, or let's more specifically, uh, uh, Blood Bloodhorn, Bloodhorn. I don't know how reports to pronounce to the this board. Word. He reports to the board. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob Evans reports to Bloodhorn. You know, uh, Ruddy reports to Bob Evans and Bloodhorn. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Francis reports to, or at least responds to uh, Ruddy and, you know, as well as like Betty. So it's, it's <laughs> this idea that everybody is like a checks and balance sort of thing. You yeah. Know? Um, and then, you know, the unions report to the mafia, the mafia you know, um, sets are dictated by the unions, which is a very real thing. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's a very real thing. You, you got it. You have to, if you are doing a union production, you better be adhering to all the, the I's and the T's because stuff like that will happen where it's like, we're supposed to be on break. You didn't give us a break. So we're on break. That's kind of fire. We actually. have to. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's power in the hands of the people. And, and that's what I'm makes, sure it can be abused, but it's fire that it, that it exists. Yeah. It, it's I think the ideology of it is good because yeah. it's there to protect people's working rights mm-hmm. and to make sure they're not being abused. But you're you're absolutely people right. People can't abuse it. It gets yeah. abused by you know, we so in doing we own the city, we see how like the the unions sort of abuse their power. Yeah. And you know, and having control over police assets. Yeah. So it's kind of the same thing here. It's like they can, you know, they can squeeze money out of productions. Yeah. You know, and and they can create circumstances that don't need to exist. But they um, definitely put a stop to this recording. But so yeah. everyone reports to somebody that is kind of yeah. That was a theme in this. That was a theme. Imagine needing Diane Keaton to get you focused. Sorry, the the show is on. What you talk about for the Al Pacino scene? Yes, and Gopal was like, just look at the beauty of this woman, nigga. That is Diane Keaton. That's supposed to inspire me. Yo. You funny, man. She right up there with Jackie for me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, you a men in this for real, but you don't be loving, you don't be liking these these women. It's a certain sect. It's a certain sect. Okay, got it's it. It's a certain sect. I get it. I think the black woman is God, so I don't. Okay. It's a certain sect. Okay. Okay. But, but imagine needing Diane Keaton to get you focused, though. Honestly. <laughs> Honestly. Her and these damn pantsuits. Come on. Right. That wouldn't work She's for like you? She's like a greyhound. Wow. Tell me I'm lying. Yeah, you cold. I nope. don't. I don't know, man. Uh-huh. I, I don't look at her in that way. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, exactly. She could not get you focused on set. Well, I it's, mean, maybe if I was Al Pacino, she would. I don't think she got Al Pacino focused. Well, they got the movie done very well, actually. But I've seen Al Pacino. He didn't. It's good milk. Huh. Not really. I'm lying. What do you mean he was? You say he was good milk? Yeah, it's just something I say when I think a white person's attractive. Okay, so back then you felt like he was good milk, or no, you think even now? I was now? just dragging it. Oh, got it, got it, yeah. got it, got it. Yeah, well, that was good direction from Francis, though. Very. He, he recognized that. Come here, son. That Pacino was too too much in his head. Come here, you little scary ass boy. See this woman? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's your wife, man. Love her. You know, just love her. Be in the scene. Yeah. And and so that was dope to me, seeing that like they shot that scene and the hospital scene that I bought up last episode. You did like two episodes. Two episodes ago, they shot those in the same day. Which is crazy. Which looks like on the same block for real. Yeah. Lighting wise, that's nuts. Yeah, because you got day and night. But it makes sense from a logistical standpoint because one of the big one of the big things Moving all that shit costs a lot of money, I imagine. Company moves, 
Yes, packing. It's cheaper to get a lighting set or a company to come for a day and get their day rate versus we'll need you this day and that day and this day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that's that seems to be like um, you know, I know when I when I do productions, I definitely stagger my shoot days based on location. So, okay. you know, like if, if we're do if there's 20 scenes at this particular house, we're doing all 20. We're, we're going to do all 20. Not in the same day. Yeah. You know, we'll do like three to, you know, we'll do three scene, three to four scenes a day until they're done. And then we'll move to the next location. And mm-hmm. then those scenes may be at the beginning of the script, at the end of the script, at the, you know, they're placed all over the place. So, you know, you kind of need a script supervisor to make, sh- make sure that like certain continuity. Yeah. Is, because when you're shooting them out of order, everything doesn't make the sense that it makes when you're watching it as a viewer. Right. So you need people there to sort of monitor that process to make sure that like, okay, when, this thing should be over here on this side of the room because on this scene that happened. That's not her wig look. Yeah, Change that part, that type shit. Yeah, you know, and then you know, then they have to relight things to make it look night day. This, that, so forth, and the other. So, um, so it's a it's a big bur- it's very you know productions being very organized is a real thing because mm-hmm. because you're moving out of sequence. But I just thought that that was interesting that that was the first scene, uh, you know, the him walking out with the presents, uh, right before he got the. No, that 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 wasn't even before he he didn't get the call that his he didn't see the paper during that scene. That's when they came out of like the the, the radio yeah it was nighttime when they did radio that. music hall yeah. um, um that and then the yeah and the McCluskey you know when he gets punched in the face by McCluskey that was all on the same day that blew me too because when you go back and I never thought that that scene was on a city block I always thought that like that hospital was kind of like on some in stat, the cut. yeah on some Staten Island shit Mm-mm. you know yeah it was right there in the city. It's kind of cool how you can fabricate all that. Yeah, uh, that's that's back to lighting and how you shoot things. Yeah, because they asked like you know for the overhead on top of the lighting pole or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was cool. He called out for a five k, which is, is um basically like a like a your your light and I get the so I'm not an electrician so I'm gonna give you my interpretation of it. Mm-hmm. The five k is like the lumens of the light, right? Okay. Like you know the higher the number. The stronger the lumens, um, and K meaning one thousand, so yeah. it's five thousand watt light. Um, a, you know they have one Ks, two K, you know basically all that. You know six fifty watts, you know six a six fifty, you know three fifties, three hundreds, whatever. Um, so yeah, five K is just a light that it's you know it's a big lumen output, gotcha, very bright because it has to travel a huge distance, gotcha. Yeah, so so the gaffers. And, you know, the gaffers will, like, rig it up. You know, the gaffers and the grips. So the grips are the people that rig the things, and then the gaffers are, like, the people that are in charge of the lighting. Okay. So they'll work as a tandem to, like, okay, we need to put this light up here to sort of, like, look like a street light. Okay. But it's one of our lights, so we have to dress it up and rig it to make Uh, it look like a street light. So it, it becomes a dance between grips, gaffers, and electricians because the electricians come in and say, we need this sort of power source to handle this many lights. Because when you get to plugging in a bunch of 5Ks and all this other shit, you can't just plug them into the wall. Yeah. You'll blow shit. You know, uh, you know, standard like amps are like 20 amp circuits, right? Mm-hmm. So you'll get the blowing shit up. You got to have like distro boxes and generators and things to plug it into. And electricians have to know. How much can I put on this particular power source before it overloads? Gotcha. You know, um, so think, yeah. Oh, you were just nerding out. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. You're fine. 
another theme that I really appreciated in this, and maybe it was blatant, but it was everyone kind of remembering how Ruddy showed up for them mm-hmm. and doing the same. Yeah. Like without question. Yeah. Like with a blind loyalty almost. Like Betty risked her literal life. Yeah. She literally risked her life to go see Columbo. Yeah. But I, I love watching gangsters be around women they respect. Right. Because what you doing in Brooklyn? What you, why are you down here? Right. The man was like, oh, sweetheart, you know, no, no beef, but you can't go in there. Right. Then somehow she ended up in there. And then Columbo's like, hey. <laughs> never seen a broad in here. I ain't never seen titties in here. <laughs> like, <laughs> and she was willing to have that conversation and bring that to the forefront. And she was scared. You could tell she was scared. Mm-hmm. But she wouldn't have the conversation. Um, To Francis being like, oh, I ain't doing this shit. Like this is ruddy shit. Right. I don't I'm not listening to you. You don't know shit about shit. You right. didn't you didn't bring me the shade of yellow. Yeah. So if the if I need some more paint added to it, you can't get it. No, I'm not doing this with you. Right. I'm not doing it. And then Columbo down to, oh, no, nah, I said you could do this movie. I think anybody else could do it. So. I, right. I gave you power, nigga. Yeah, no, 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 no. That guy, I don't I don't know the bald man. No, that's not what, <laughs> right. that's not what we talked about. Uh, <laughs> like, so hold all this shit until. Yeah. Um, so even Bob. Mm. Even Bob saying, you know, you can't fire him. Like, even before he went back to have the conversation, but he went in with the intention and the hope that right. Ruddy still had his job. Exactly. And even for Bob, even bringing it up is a lot for him yeah. to challenge Charles. Um, and, and on behalf of Ruddy. Right. Right. Because he just, he fresh off of fucking him on Al Pacino. Right. They're not best friends. Yeah. But it also, I think he understands, like you said, maybe because that's what he does. It's not personal. Yes. This has to be done, so I have to do it. Right. That's it. Um, I think even, and then Ruddy showing back up for them. Because mm-hmm. at first, I didn't think that, I didn't know Ruddy had gotten his job back when he came back to get rid of, or to tell um, Columbo and them, hey, we're good now. Mm-hmm. You thought he had his job back. No. Yeah, I he didn't, didn't. Right. So, right. yes, exactly. So, even him showing back up then. Right. Was, it proved that they were right in saying. I know what he's done for me. I'm going to show up for him too. Mm. And I'm not going to, it was nice to see that reciprocated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That, 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 that was a good, that, that was good. And I think, you know, the name of the episode is stand up guy. And I think mm-hmm. it's appropriate because he has, he has stood up for or to everybody. He stands on 10 and he honest about it. Yeah. He's not deceiving anybody. He's not lying. When Charles asked him, what is this? Yeah, I did it. Yeah. And it needed to be done. Yeah. Now what? Yeah, <laughs> like, that's very true. You said make the movie, so I'm making it. That's very true. Why are you questioning me? Why do you? And that's a creative thing too, y'all. It's something about the creative. When somebody asks y'all a question, that makes perfectly good sense. Yeah, y'all get real upset. As, why would you ever question what I'm doing? I know this looks stupid. Right. I know I'm telling you five plus seven is twenty six, but it is <laughs> because I said so. And sometimes y'all be right, but it's like, hey, I don't understand. Yeah. No, you here for the ride? Who fucking is duck? Like, uh, everybody relax. It just be, y'all be audacious sometimes. That's uh, how, I guess how y'all got where y'all at, but yeah. y'all are an audacious bunch. I'd be like, what? There has to be a distinction, though, because Ruddy is not a creative person. People in, I don't believe, I don't agree with that. I think that problem solving can be creative. I think okay, problem solving yes. requires a high level of creativity. Then yes, yes. I, yeah. I, you know, I'm thinking on the, I'm Arts, thinking, yeah. right, like, because it is, you're right, you're absolutely right. It's, it's very much creativity. Is more in the vein of like architecture though, or like engineering. Yeah, either you way, know, but you know, understanding machines. You ever met an architect or an engineer? Yeah, they're well. They uh, don't be good people. Hello. 
No, I know a lot of really Shoot. good engineers. I yeah. would like to meet one. Every oh, engineer sure. I know has their head so far up their ass. <laughs> you in the wrong circles. It might just be because I also work with them. So maybe that's it. But yeah, it could be a different ego attached when we're at work. But yeah. talking to an engineer is like, you ever seen that meme with that guy talking to a brick wall with his hands up? <laughs> no. Dog. It's like, that's an it's like, honey, I don't have $30,000 more. This is what we got. Yeah. But I need this for this. But I already gave you. Like, what are we? Right. No, because that don't equal this. I can spreadsheets right here. Right. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah, engineers are, and they be right, but it's like you have to walk me through this so I can help you. Mm. Like, oh, so they're not good at like giving you the 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 blow by blow. They want to know why you want it. How dare you? You don't know shit about shit. <laughs> Give me what I asked for. <laughs> now that is across the board, creatives. Right. Y'all right. don't know shit about shit. Give me what I said. Right. Interesting. Because that was what he saying. He was like, "You told me to make a movie. Why are we having a conversation about how about how I had to make it?" Yeah, that's real. I kill nobody. Like, why? What? That's why? real. But, but you know, that's but that's in talking to even more money people. Because I because I don't think you know he doesn't seem to have that same delivery style for Francis. You no. know, like like he he he's absorbing what Francis is saying, and he's like, okay, he's problem solving. Like, how he considers can I... Francis an authority though, not Charles. N- no, I think he I think he respects them both on the same level. I just think that they they. I don't mean authority as far as hierarchy. I mean in what they're doing. He knows that he cannot do Francis' job better than him. Ah, and he can't lead Francis. Okay. He's there to problem solve for Francis. Yes. Not to get results, like not to do anything for Francis. He is there to clear the path. Yeah. For Charles, Charles, you just in my way, dog. I just need you to write a check. So all the talking you're doing, I know you in charge, but yeah. what? That's, but Francis, you have to respond to to get what you need. But that's even a wild statement, too. The nigga who's paying for everything, you they can't always just... in a way. No, that's a fact. They always in a way. But you they understand. They don't know why. shit about shit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you they don't know shit about why. shit. Yeah, that's a fact. But 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 indeed, if you could pay for it, you would. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like it's necessary. Yeah. Part of it. But you're absolutely necessary right. Necessary evil, but move. Most most people that pay for it do be in the way and yeah. they have a lot of like huge expectations. That's why we have stakeholders meeting. Don't come around here right. until SEC, please. I don't need just hear no. That's move. funny. That sounds wildly personal. It is. It is. I hate talking to people in charge of work until because I'm I'm relatively um I'm not low with my hierarchy at work. Mm-hmm. So when it becomes a stakeholders meeting for me, it's like they're on like CIO and and SVP levels. It's like y'all don't know nothing we doing. Yeah. Why do you have an input? Uh, I'm here to update you. Oh, you sound like a creative. I'm a project manager. I am technically. <laughs> I saw, I literally solve problems for a living. Right, right. Um, I'm just making sure that you you know you identify. But I mean. I am not an art creative at all, right. but when it comes to like problem solving and fixing something, yeah, you on top. Of it. Absolutely, yeah. like my team knows if I get really silent in a meeting, they all know to shut up. Mm. Let her think she's about to fix it. Mm. Yeah, so I'm I'm really good at my. Now that's one thing I'll brag myself about. Okay, I am very good at my job. Talk your shit. I I will. You're talking um, more though. <laughs> hold on, I'm gonna give you like hold on. Don't even don't you even. Got a do minute this. thirty seconds. Go ahead Relax. and do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just really good at my job. So like when someone brings me a problem, um, mm-hmm. I'm good at fixing it. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I guess in the same vein too, like if I told you a duck could pull a truck, uh-huh. just hook it up. Oh shit. Just hook the sucker up. Just do what I said. Yeah. We'll get there. Don't don't even trip. Right. It's going to come out in the wash. Don't even trip. See? Do what I said. I like that. Even the way you present it, I'm like, you know what? Now, if you tell me to tie a duck to a truck, I'm doing it. You know what's crazy? I talk I talk like this at work. I yeah. love not code switching. Yeah. I'll be talking to like old white people like that. 
That's dope. I be asking him, yo, who fucking this duck? Me or you? Whoa. Hey, <laughs> like, oh, yo. But, I'll be like, you, no, for but sure. That, <laughs> that's why I say it that crassly. Yeah. I, when I get there, it's, I want you to leave me alone. Yeah. Because you're not about to admit that you fucking a duck. Right, I'm not. You're going to let me fuck the duck. Yes, sir. <laughs> who is fucking this duck? Yeah. You automatically go, well, bitch, you are. My bad. Mm. Move. Mm. Right? I like it. Mm-mm. I be asking for if I tell you a duck could pull a truck. Yeah. They maybe like I know hook the sucker up, hook it up. I like it. You, like you be rapping to him and everything. Listen, Jerome, Rome, Jerome in the house. <laughs> Martin taught me. I like it. Um, yeah, no, that that that's. But like, yeah, but he bends to Francis. He bends to Mario. Yeah, because in the art side of creativity, he knows he cannot replicate that. Yeah, that they are irreplaceable. Yeah, I am here because most artsy creative people mm-hmm. are not good at business mm. are not good at getting things done mm-hmm. um but also you want to put them in an environment where they don't have to mm-hmm. i think that's why i encourage all the artists that i work with um art wise mm-hmm. like print art you need a business manager yeah because you can't do it and i don't want you to worry about it yeah i need all your energy spent on art mm. Because you're going to get in the way, you're too attached, you're going to get in the way, you're way too emotional about it. Mm-hmm. And he, I think that he recognizes that. So he does that for him because that's what I mean when he considers Francis an authority. Mm. It's okay. I, I work for you, honestly. Mm-hmm. Bloodhorn writes our checks, but I work for you. Yeah. So. See, and to me, that's what makes a good leader is the, the, the people that understand and value human resource. Mm-hmm. That's delegation. Yeah. Okay. That's delegation. That's delegation. Good. Okay. So, so I do understand delegation. I am, I, you know what it is that I'm realizing though, like in every point in my career, I've, I've always had to make things happen with limited resources. Mm-hmm. What I don't like doing is I don't like delegating when the financial resource isn't available mm-hmm. because like, like, and I'm learning this better. Um, cause some people, some people just want opportunity. Right. Experience for so, sometimes, right. very few times, but sometimes right. experience is the payment people look, people are looking for. Yes. And I, I re, see, I'm one of those guys that doesn't like to abuse that because right. the, the, people tried to abuse that when I first started. Mm-hmm. Yo, you know what I'm saying? You could do this for it's me. And when I go here, you, yeah. yeah, it's nah. it's like a running joke with anybody for like most, if you've been doing music videos for more than 10 years, this is like a running joke, specifically if you've been doing rap music videos. We have like a little inside joke that like it seems to be universal with all the filmmakers that I know. When they say, when I blow, you blow. If you say that to anybody who's been doing like uh, music videos over over at least a decade. They're going to die laughing. They're going to die laughing at that because we we laugh about that. That's, that is every rapper's, that is every rapper who is like self-financed. Yeah. That's their go-to line. They really feeds oh into God. your this feeds into your ego thing. Yeah. Right. That like they think the world revolves around them. When I yo, dog, we gonna do this. Yo, I'm telling you, I'm gonna get signed. And when I get signed, I'm bringing you with me. It's it's like different variations. Who vari- said you get inside? I can hear you rap. Right. <laughs> it's different variations. They give they're getting very really creative about it. Cause it starts turning into like see when I I got this many followers on TikTok. Yeah, I'm gonna tag you. It's gonna go viral. Right. I'll tag you. It Maybe. starts to look like that now. Cause I started filmmaking before YouTube and Facebook and all yeah. that shit. So that that viral shit came in like I like cannot a, send my TikTok numbers to Fannie yeah, Mae. That don't translate into money for me. It helps <laughs> you. It don't help me. Like, you know what I mean? But yeah, man. Dominion um, Power is looking for dollars. Yeah, not, not likes. Yeah. 
Yeah, not these imaginary rubies, my nigga. Right. Um, so yeah, but yeah, when I blow, you Oranges. blow. That's like right. That's like a um that's just code that's just code word. That's like code language for anybody that you know that does music videos. They they gonna yeah. and probably even music producers too. I bet you they get the same oh, shit. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, they probably sure. get it worse actually, because you yeah. can do without a music video, but you gotta have a beat. Right. So yeah, they probably get it way worse than us. Um um, all right. Okay, so I, I, I identified w- one pillar that I thought this mm-hmm. ep- this episode was dealing with. You identify one. I want to identify another one. I feel like, and this is me sort of grasping at straws here, but just sort of making a parallel to to the actual movie, The Godfather. Because they seem like they do that a lot. They kind of- Yes. Just, like I just called out oranges. Yes. They're, they're, it's the same few... theme. I see an orange stand every time an important conversation has to happen here. Mm. There's a, the color orange is present. Um, And then, yeah, there's a few Easter eggs we're going to get to. But the other pillar that I identified here, it almost- They're almost showing us the structure of like Michael, Fredo, and Sonny. Okay? S- Blood Orn is sunny, very hot headed, very ill tempered. You know what I'm saying? Like he's like he really holds on to grudges, right? Bob Evans is like Fredo, doing the coke on the plane. You know he's kind of like he's he's important, but for real, out of everybody in this situation, Bob Evans is the least important. Mm-hmm. He's really like a placeholder for real. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like he's important. He's afraid. He's a Corleone. <laughs> Fredo's a Corleone. So you're going to respect. So you- right. So you're going to respect him because he's a Corleone. But but really, when he's standing next to like a Michael, you can see how inept he is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's he's the fuck up out of the bunch. And then Ruddy is is Michael. You know where he's calculated. He's very like um a man of not a lot of words. You know what I'm saying? He's kind of like. He inspires loyalty. Yeah. He, yeah, like he 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 moves he moves like a don for real, you know. Where these other guys, they're in, you know, they have the hierarchy of age, right? Sonny's the oldest. Fredo's older than Michael. Michael's the youngest. Mm-hmm. So they beat him in seniority in that way, in terms of like heir to the riches, but like his sheer integrity and how he presents puts him over them. And I feel like that's a thing that's going to happen. And, and that's going to happen somewhere along the line in these last four episodes where it's like, it, it like maybe we're like the movie is going to hit a stride where it's like, because it, I don't know if they're going to show us completion, but say if they do, and then it's regarded, it's highly regarded. There may be a problem with like billing, right? Like mm. how it's billed on a, on a poster. Or, you know, just credit wise, you know, who gets the accolade for this movie being really good? Yeah. Is, you know, is Evans probably doesn't get it. You know, it probably is going to be Ruddy. Well, he's a producer. Well, he will because remember, Ruddy put it in his contract yeah. that he is regarded as the sole producer of this film. Right. Which saved his ass. So I think, I feel like that's going to be a theme that comes out later on where uh, it, you know, it's going to become a problem where Michael rose to the ranks. He also made his bones in this episode. That's an Easter egg. So, uh, okay, one we're watching one Easter egg right now, right? We're in the elevator. Did you catch this one? 
this is like the conversation that the Don had with Sonny. Right. Yeah. It's like, you don't, you know, you don't. You never talk about, you never have a conversation outside of the family. Exactly. You never tell anyone how you're feeling outside, outside of the family. Outside of the family. And then yeah. Michael had that same conversation with Vincent in episode, in part three. Yeah. Um. Don't, don't, you know, don't let, don't let anybody outside the family know what you're thinking. So that was one Easter egg, the mm-hmm. elevator. Um. Another Easter egg was, and this this goes back to the conversation I had two episodes ago about the hospital scene. You uh, you know when with Enzo the Baker and the lighter. Yep. Remember, I was telling you. I said to me that was the moment that Michael real that that's the moment Michael became a gangster mm-hmm. when he realized that like yo I'm I'm full blooded gangster. Okay. He was on the top of that stair. He was on the top of that staircase at the hospital. And and with the lighter in his hand, you know, lighting a cigarette, he realized it. That was the moment he became a gangster. It happened with Ruddy too. At the end of this episode, you remember him and Bob Evans were standing on, well, not the very end, but it almost went to the end after that. Him and Bob Evans were standing on that um on that same staircase top that you know, at the location for that hospital. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, Bob Evans pulled out a cigarette and smoked it, and Ruddy pulled out a cigarette and smoked it. And, you know, they kind of made their men's right there. And then, you know, just Ruddy just sort of had like this proud look like, because when he, sh- remember, he showed back up on set and everything started moving again. Yeah. So, like, he was, you know, he's the Don, right? Like, I, like, everything moves at my drum beat. Like, mm-hmm. y'all motherfuckers was at a stalemate till I showed up. And then, you know, he kind of looked around and saw that. And I think at that moment, he felt like Michael Corleone felt, Michael Corleone, excuse me, how Michael Corleone felt in that moment of like, yo, this is, I'm walking in my purpose right here. I'll buy it. Yeah. I also argue that Betty made her bones too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Talk down, about it though. Down to, I mean, like we talked about her going to visit Columbo mm-hmm. and standing there smoking her cigarette. And what is the gentleman's name? Uh, Which one? The, Columbo's uh, right hand. Um, I keep wanting to say Sonny, but it's like. Not Carmine, not no Carmine is the one who passed. This is the one who died. Yeah, it's something else that starts with a C, though. I think. Well, him. Yeah. He's like, you know, you got big balls. You know, I can't leave this work. She goes, let's see. Yeah. She's smoking her cigarette, and then it does work, and she has the conversation with Mario about why it was so important for her to do this, and right. she's like, you know, I'm tired of people making decisions for me. Mm-hmm. This is what I want to do, and and alluded to that Ruddy created her a space where she could make decisions and that she was in charge yeah. and that she wanted to maintain that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that she created a space for it to be maintained and realized maybe for the first time that, Oh, I can make decisions that are important and that mm-hmm. are lasting. I should continue to do this. Yeah. So I, I, I would argue that she's made hers too. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I told you that great observation. Cause so- yeah, it started moving when Ruddy came back, but, mm-hmm. Only because of Betty. Only because of Betty. Yeah. yeah for sure. Every, everything everyone else did, cute. Yeah. yeah. Even if, but none of that shit would have happened without Betty. Without Betty, yeah. I'm so glad. Like like I said, I don't know if this is a true account of how things happen, but I'm glad that it's being portrayed this way. Yeah. Because this because obviously Betty had a huge stake in this film. Mm-hmm. And and she's never talked about. Like, you know, I don't, I, I've never seen her name. I'm before. glad that we know her name now because this movie wouldn't have happened without her. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what I found out too? And this probably has a lot to do with it, whether it's true or not, um, in terms of Betty. Uh, uh, the person who's the showrunner for this is a woman. Really? 
Really? Yeah. Oh, cool. And I think that that's dope. So, so that she probably even if it's not as involved, she probably called her story to the front. Exactly. That's yeah. that's what I was getting at, and and thus is why representation is important. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because, be, because at the end of the day, you know, um, there are many Bettys on the sidelines of a lot of operations that never get seen. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's whether you know, I, I would beg to say probably a lot of them are female. But there could be some male too, you mm-hmm. know. But j- j- Betty just represents like the Robins, <laughs> you right. know, the Robins to the Batman who like don't Dipping get top billing. Yeah, but they're part of the journey, and and quite frankly, there's parts of the journey that would never be even be made to reality if they didn't exist. Yeah. So so yeah, I'm absolutely glad that it's being portrayed this way. Um, Role players are important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that human resource element. Um. You see the you, you see the binder with uh yes. Francis Ford Coppola? Yeah. yeah. So they're leaning into that heavy. Um uh what else here do I have on my notes? So it seems oh go ahead. Were you about to say something? No, I was just I was gonna call out that the Godfather in this how they called out the Godfather's a love story is a white hot yeah. Whatever, some really mean story of people you love. This show feels the same. Yeah. Like how you're getting elements of a love story, but you also you grow to love Betty. Yeah. You grow to love Al. But you're watching everybody like just be vicious as fuck. Yeah. For this goal, but it's to an end. So I thought it was cool, like the parallel of it. Yeah. I agree. And I, I imagine that's on purpose. For sure. I I mean they lean into that principle of like if you want to have empathy for an asshole, you bring in a bigger asshole. Mm-hmm. They did that with Charlie, whereas, you know, he was clearly, when this episode started, you know, they made him look like the fucking tyrant, the golf club inside the, you know, he was pissed, so yeah. he hits the TV with a golf club. But then as the episode goes on, we get introduced to that board that board member who mm-hmm. was a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And then we get introduced to that to that young man at the lunch table that don't like caviar. fucker from Texas, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's actually... um. Uh, the guy who played uh Tony Soprano, that's his son. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, what is Tony Soprano's? I went through this before. What is Tony Soprano's real name? Let's man? find out. It is uh shit. I cannot remember his name, but yeah, that kid is his son. Uh, in real life, <clears throat> he kind of looks like John Cusack to me. But uh, God, what is John? Uh, hold on. What the fuck is Tony Soprano's name? Give me name? one second. James Gandolfini. Gandolfini. There he goes. His son's name is Michael Gandolfini, I believe. Yep. Yeah. Michael and Liliana Gandolfini are his children. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that that's him. So that's pretty cool because he was also in, um, you know, when they did the Sopranos uh, prequel movie, mm-hmm. he played he played his father in that. Really? The young Tony Soprano. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So it's cool that he's kind of like moving within these Italian spaces. Yeah. You know. I guess he has a, people have a reverence for his father. I imagine, yeah. Yeah. Fucking Tony Spano. He played one of the biggest gangsters in yeah. American culture. Um, all right. Yeah, that, okay, so that, so while we're kind of on the subject of Betty, let's, let's rewind a little bit and stick with that conversation that she was having with Mario Puzo, just about having all the hand-me-downs. You have a lot of brothers and sisters. Well, a lot of brothers, right? Mm-hmm. You grew up with a lot of brothers. Did you ever you ever feel the way Betty felt? Yeah. Yeah, you have? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because they're older. Mm-hmm. You know, your parents, they want peace. Mm-hmm. 
they don't really care what's happening. They they want what brings the most peace. And you learn not to go against that. Mm. So it's like, all right, well, I'd like to do this, but I know the majority wants to do this. So there's no need to raise a stink or it's going to be easier to do this way. Or my parents just want everyone to shut the fuck up. So I know they're going to argue me if I do this or especially being the only girl. Right. So it's like, no one wants to do this with me, so I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> like, right. Or it becomes, I'll do it myself. <laughs> mm. Or you just learn to like things that you probably don't like, probably not into. Mm-hmm. But again, you just want peace sometimes. Sometimes you just want peace. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I felt that a lot. Um, I don't know if it manifested that way. I think my parents caught it and began to do things with me one-on-one. But that was also a perk of being the only girl. Mm. It, w- it was always a lot of one-on-one time for me. Okay. Um, so maybe I felt it in group settings. Sometimes, but I don't think to that extent. But I have felt it. But, you but, have felt that. but I'm a girl, so everyone. There were times where everyone made it a point to cater to me because I'm a girl. Got it. But there were times where it's like, y'all, I don't want to fucking watch this. I don't want to eat this. I don't want to go there. I don't want to spend our vacation like this. Like I don't want to do this. Right. But it's mad at y'all, and it's just it's, me. It's just me. And my mom just wants us to shut the fuck up. So. Right. 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 Yeah. See, I, I have a lot of brothers and sisters. And I'm processing that in real time, so it sounds conflicting, but I, no, I never no, thought no. about it yet. Uh, and thank you for answering that yeah. and being vulnerable with the people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because I, I, you know, I don't have that experience. I have a lot of brothers and sisters, but I only grew up with one brother, mm-hmm. and I'm the oldest of us. Gotcha. So I don't, I don't think, uh, you know, I, I don't have that perspective of being a younger sibling mm-hmm. or, you know, hand-me-downs and stuff like that. Um. So, no, I just thought that was very interesting. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's very interesting. And also, being a girl getting hand-me-downs from your cool older brothers wasn't a bad thing. It's kind of fly. Yeah, I had all the fire t-shirts and jerseys and shit like that. So, like, it wasn't... Yeah. As a girl, it wasn't horrible. I imagine if I was a... I imagine my other brothers hated it. Yeah. But it was really cool to me to get their old graphic t-shirts or, like, their Letterman jackets and shit like that. Because I was a girl, so you could make it super sporty and, and cute. So right, right, right. It didn't affect me the same. Right. Um, can I, can I be honest about something that I'm, I'm glad about? And this is, this is, this may be like, Uh-oh. this, right. This may be one of those, like socially, I okay. shouldn't be saying this. Okay. Um, because I think like, oh, so this is happening in the seventies and, and I feel like, you know, wasn't the feminist movement really big here in the, in this particular era, if I'm not mistaken. It might've been stronger in the sixties, but I believe so. Yeah. Okay. So we're probably like coming off of it and like. Stepping into, you know, women, you know, like being very vocal about them wanting responsibility, like yeah. they, you know, wanting the treatment of which I want to, you know. Nothing's wrong with that, yeah. Yeah, I want to preface that with, by saying I totally agree with that. Somebody being raised by a single mother, I absolutely agree with that. A hot take I won't explain. Feminism is a scam that women probably didn't want and it made men lazy, but keep going. Got it. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> Keep going. So, but what I'm glad about is in her explanation of what she wanted out of her life. I'm glad they didn't pin it on the patriarchy. Yes. Yeah. I'm tired of that. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest. I'm tired of that. No, that's fair. I, I think it's um, it's become a buzzword of sorts. Yeah. Does it say, oh, the patriarchy's fault? And sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. But let's talk about how and not just the noun. That's what I mean right there. What part of patriarchy did this? And she explained that. Yes. I didn't get to make decisions at the third and it's implied, oh, you're a little white girl. Yeah. It's implied. You had a husband. You had like, so getting to the root of it. Yes. Is better than saying men are trash. 
It is. Yeah. Because nobody can do anything with that information. Right. You know, the people that you need to change, you probably just isolated them. Yeah. It's the same, it's kind of the same problem with, with racism too, like being used as a buzzword. You know, I, I could just being somebody who talks to a lot of people with different perspectives. When I talk to like very right, severely right wing people, you know, that like it, you know, they have a problem being called racist. That's crazy. Like they don't identify, but not all of them are, not all of them are like, that's not what they're aiming to do. They just have their own beliefs that it's, it's, it's just a tricky place. But I think it's, the it's definition like, of racism is an issue. They are not racism. It's not the use of the word. So it, that's what I'm saying. It's like a whole gradient where it's like, there's a lot of things that need to be addressed and how they feel to get them to understand what the actual problem is and like why you just shouldn't turn your brain off to it. But, but just being called a racist makes them not want to even consider the other person's side. And, and this is not me advocating for anything other than like simple psychology, which is if you're talking to somebody, you have to, if you want to get your message across, you got to be careful about how you're giving your message to them, Mm -hmm. regardless of the situation. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been, and I'm saying that as somebody who has, you know, said things emotionally to people that I needed to listen and they didn't listen because I'm saying it too fucking, I'm saying it too much where I'm putting them in the hot seat as opposed to like me telling them what is actually the problem and how they personally can fix it. Because what I find is that people genuinely want to help, but you have to like be able to, so this just goes back to my, to, to my question about delegation. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, sometimes I'm scared like I have a problem asking for help in a lot of ways mm-hmm. because I don't ever want to abuse. I, it's like a twofold thing. I don't want to abuse help because I'm very sensitive to that. I do not believe in slavery and I don't want to like weaponize help in a way that where it's really slavery, but it's just sort of like doused in this, in this word of like, could you help me? I'm just sensitive to it just because of the, it's more so like in the, in, just in the industry that I'm in, because that is very much weaponized. When I blow, you blow. You know what I'm saying? So I try not to use that same analogy with other people. Mm-hmm. So that's one pillar that makes it hard for me to do help, you know, to, to ask for help. And then, um, um, yeah, and, and, and I guess just not always understanding how to, how to express it. You know what I'm saying? But like, Sometimes in not expressing it, you're taking away people's right to make their own choice to want to help you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't. I, I feel like I'm talking in too many circles, but <laughs> I know what I'm trying to say. Ask versus guess culture. So there are some people. I saw it on Twitter today. Believe it or not, there are some people who will say, "Wow, that cereal box is really high, and I can't reach it." Uh-huh. And there are some people who will say, can you hand me the cereal box? Uh, and it's, I'm going to tell you how high that is so you can understand that I have a problem and invite you if you want to fix it. Right. Versus some people who will say, I have a problem. I know that you can fix it. Please fix this for me. You can say no, but I'm going to ask you to do it. Right. The people in the in guest culture, they say that it's like that because the word providing a choice of yes or no makes it feel extremely urgent. And it feels rude. Mm. And then people who are the opposite or ask culture are like you who say, what? well, maybe not like you, but they will say, you know what? I know that you probably want to help me. Here's how you can. 
this is the solution for it. I need this. And then it's, I'm going to ask for help, then say, let's put it somewhere lower next time. So I don't have to ask you again. Um, but mm. that's kind of where that falls into because okay. both of what you're saying is right. Mm-hmm. It's just different culture. Is it, are you of someone who wants to give people a choice about whether or not they can help you? Which mm-hmm. I mean, the answer is always yes to that, but does asking them directly feel too invasive for you? Mm. That's a thing too. Mm. Mm. That's something to chomp on right there. Sometimes Twitter is a good thing. It can be. Yeah. It can be. Yeah. You but can catch a gym or two off there. It's just a lot of psychology when it comes to interpersonal interaction is is like the base of it for me, you know, and I'm still trying to navigate that, yeah. you know, like what's the best way to cut across an, a, a message effectively and efficiently um, and landing on the most amount of ears possible, you know, or, the, you know, if if the goal is a huge demographic, how do I get most to listen as opposed to most to say, fuck you, you know, because everything is numbers mm-hmm. and averages. So, yeah, I, anyway, I spend a lot of time with that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Joe Colombo started a war. You think so? Yeah. Okay. He shot at niggas. Yeah, he did. Well, Joe Gallo is amongst them. So, yeah. Yeah. He shot at Nikki Barnes and them. Yeah. Yeah. Are you on Coke too? Well, Nikki Barnes isn't, pow- isn't as powerful as the mafia. Still, niggas be crashed on me sometimes. Mm. See what I think, and not even that. The mm-hmm. commission told you not to. They see, made it very clear. See, here's what I think. I think that like um, the way that the okay, because the way that they executed it, just the choice of weapons and how they did it, leads me to believe that Joe Colombo did it in a way to make them not know it was him, and to make them retaliate so that way he has permission to do what he needs to do right like like the mob don't use uzis and shit it's the 70s not uzis tech nines or what they no. have automatic the, the mob doesn't use automatic weapons is what i'm getting at how you know use there. <laughs> that's 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 a good point how you know? <laughs> judging by all of the things that we've well no that's a lot because <laughs> because Tommy gun started with these niggas how with, you know right when they shot up sunny they shot that thing with full automatic weapons at a toll but it was tommy guns either way <laughs> was it? at a fucking toll booth like <laughs> right. what do you mean right right okay so i'm i'm all right so let me shut up what but I, but i do think i do i it does still stand i think that like it's he did what he did to make them come at him so that way the commission doesn't have a choice. That's what I do think. And, and I don't, of course, I'm sure the commission says that must've been you, Joe Colombo. I know you did that. And so, you know, I don't know if he says, no, I was with Sinatra at the, what do you mean? That was me. I had nothing to do with that. You You don't have to. I don't have to try to sound like him. (laughs) You didn't have to do that. But that's where I think I write. I fucked my throat Mm -hmm. up with that one. Pause. That's a hey, yo. That's where I think that's going though. Mm-hmm. You you don't you just think he just started an old fashioned war. I just think he a hothead and wanted to get his lick back. Yeah. I think that whatever that dinner was, mm-hmm. he enlisted that little boy to be a crash dummy of sorts mm. and said, "Trust me, I got you." And then maybe he'll blame it on him. Maybe it's I gave you my word I wouldn't do anything. I didn't. But he did. You don't have to talk like him. That's right. You don't. You don't have to do. You're that. right. Um, you're right. So I think it's something like that. I think I'm willing to go with that, but okay. 
I think Joe Colombo just be doing stuff. That's why the commission told you you can't have him back because you don't know what to do. Right. Mm-mm. You don't think Joe Colombo's smart? I didn't say that. I just think he a doofus. Okay. So explain. You can be smart and make bad decisions. Oh, no, that's a fact. You can be smart and a crash dummy yeah. and be emotional. But like how many bad decisions do you have to make to be classified as a doofus? I think it depends. I don't know that he's made... Calling out his relationship with Ruddy was a bad decision. Whatever happened yeah. with Galloway anyway was a bad decision. Mm-hmm. Happy people don't do what he did to even get to jail. Um, only giving that nigga a rack and thinking he's supposed to be cool was an arrogant bad decision. No, he said he was trying to offend him. Remember That's a he... bad decision. Okay. That's a bad decision. Okay. Um, And even this, you was told to sit still mm-hmm. by a more than one person who have authority over you. Sorry, hater. Everybody answers somebody. You're right. And you decided that you knew better. So he pulled a ruddy. Yeah, but he's not ready. Ooh, now that's crazy to even say that. He's not ruddy. He's not. So you think ruddy's more gangster than him? I'm not talking about gangster. I'm talking about vision and foresight. Everybody don't have that. Everybody doesn't have execution. Ah, so you... So I don't care if you take a chance if you have a track record of it working. Yeah. Right? Like, if Ruddy asked me, who fucking is Doug? <laughs> and if Joe Colombo asked me, who fucking is Doug? <laughs> I'm going to tell Ruddy, you got it. I'm going right. to look at Joe like, I don't know if you should be the one doing it. How's that? Explain to me how you how you got inside that duck. Because it don't make no sense. That's interesting. because Everybody I, don't have the juice like that. I receive... That's leadership, though. Everybody's I, not a good leader. I receive Joe Colombo as a really good leader, actually. Okay. Yeah, but 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 it's interesting to hear you say that, like because I never considered that. I think people's expectations and what they consider a good leader varies, like relationships, like what they're looking for. So for me, a good leader is someone who I'm comfortable blindly trusting. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't make sense to me, but I've seen your track record, mm. so I'm gonna let you do. It. I'm not gonna question you. Mm. Or it's a matter of you know that we're just getting to know each other. So you're explaining everything to me and walking me through it because mm-hmm. eventually you're going to stop. Right. So now I know how you think. Okay. Mm. That's leader. What I, what I look for in leadership is that I look for the ability to not have to do your work for you. Oh. So for me, that's good leadership. It's okay. I, I want my boss to do their, their job so I can do mine. Right. I don't, the boss that I have now or the people I report to now are amazing. And the fact that I might talk to them once every couple of weeks, okay. I don't need to. I know that when I, in our one-on-one, when I say, hey, I need A, B, and C, this, that, and the third. Right. It's being taken care of. Got it. And you'll bring it back to me when it's done. That's good. That's what I'm looking for in good leadership. Even if it's unorthodox. Uh Even if it's like, what the fuck is you talking about? I ain't going to ask you because we talk about this, so I trust you. But that's crazy. Right. Right. Like, that's good leadership to me. So it's ready. He be doing dumb shit. Right. But it gets done. Yeah. Joe just, I don't know. I don't know. Well, it gets done. The stuff. Yeah, but at what cost? Because that, that's a factor too. Mm. Yeah, it gets done, but who? The least amount of damage should the least be done. Amount of, right, right. Okay. That, that, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to. If think I'm gonna back be embarrassed, to, embarrass me in house. Got it. I, I get what you're saying. So, like, I get what you're saying. You're able to control, control the damage, the blood, the impact. Yeah. You know, and that, the impact that is not into it. Yeah, and it's not mm. really a tangible impact. It's. This is weird, but all right, because it's no, nothing happened. <laughs> like it was good for Paramount. What Ruddy did okay. in the end, 
It was, but it, but in the moment, I mean, you standing on the on the stage with Joe Colombo don't seem it, right. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't at all. But like we know about, like how Bob Evans was like, this is stupid. Yeah. But we should save his job. Right. This is dumb, but we should save his job. Right. Because he's always doing dumb stuff, but it works. Mm. And how Bloodhorn is like, fire him. Right. One of them worked closely enough to know he gonna get it done, mm. and it's gonna be all right. Bloodhorn didn't know that. Right. Now he do. Hmm. Hmm. That's some very good that's some very good uh perspective you just gave there, Six. I'm not mad at that at all. I be trying. Yeah, no, you be doing. You be doing. Um hmm. Hmm, okay. That that makes me wonder because I cause again, I haven't looked I haven't looked any further into you know, I'm I'm very enamored by the mafia, but I don't know a lot of detail like when it comes to what family is in power, who killed this person to get in power. Yeah. I don't know all the intricacies. Like I like learning that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I like not force learning it. I like learning it from like when media. it comes to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I wonder if that is going to yield what 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 that what the outcome is. Yes. I wonder yeah. what that's gonna yield. Um, you know, I'm I know both these gentlemen had to die, but how they died, I don't know. Uh, you know, who 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 went for old age and who was murdered. Right. Gallo seems like the type of nigga that don't get old. I can see Joe Colombo getting old. Niggas like Gallo live forever. No, niggas like Gallo get they John they, they get their head popped. It's off. one of the two. Yeah. Either you die at twenty eight yeah. or you die at seventy eight, an old man with your grandkids. With great stories okay. to tell. Yeah, maybe like a whitey bulger. Because right. he seemed like he was kind of wild and he made it to the he made it pretty long. Um good point. Good point. But if I had to put my money on it, Gallo gets murdered. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm just saying. And and Columbo lives to be an old man. Um. Okay. Okay. Uh, what else we got in these notes here? Six. I think we, that's probably it. We covered a lot for sure. Um. Uh, I mean, pretty much the whole thing. What do you, okay? This is we didn't cover this. We didn't cover this. Um, we didn't cover Bob Evans' speech to the board. Did you think that was a really good speech? Like what he said, do you feel like it was? I think it was just fluff. It worked. I, f- I, felt I come what from he was the saying. business world. Okay. So. <laughs> Very adjective-y. Right. Like, no. What's the problem? How you fixing it? Right. Move. You know, you know what's funny. What I found myself saying, and I and I I uh, implore you to go back and do this. I want you to go back and listen to it, his speech, and think about it. Think about it. In t- okay, to me, when I watched it the second time, because I watched it twice, it felt like a lot of what he was saying to the board, and in that particular situation, applied to him in his personal life too. Okay, like just uh, like there was there was a lot of it was like is. It's ironic. It was like, it's ironic you see it here, but you don't see it there. Yeah. And it's like the same scenario, right? Where it's like, you're ready to jump the ship, you know, and make these brass decisions, you know, brass, brass decisions, but you're not realizing the effect of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And you need to pay more close attention to this thing because this thing is very important. Go back and listen to it with with that lens because- you know, it was. It seemed very purposeful, and okay. it seemed very purposeful that it was coming from, from Bob. From Bob, yeah, okay. yeah. Because I mean, you, you said a lot of things that I need to take in consideration on Allie's side. You know, 
we we didn't spend a lot of time on that conversation in vain. Like I think that there's yeah. there there was more to it, and it's revealed in that speech. But um, yeah, it's just, it's just interesting, man. What people hold what people hold in high regard, um, how somebody can see something very clearly in one situation and not see it at all in another situation. Yeah, or be you know just it's not it just doesn't ring as important in this situation as in this situation. I don't know. It's very life is just very interesting like that. But. Okay, Sarah, Sarah. Yeah. Um, I do have a new scene that I do want to see them shoot in this. Okay. Because I think the original, I think my original thing, I forget what my original scene I said I wanted to see them do, but I definitely want to see them rigging Sonny up with all of the squibs, like all when they do the shoot, that when they uh, kill him okay. at the toll booth. Yeah. I want to see them recreate that scene. Uh, but I want to see them. I want to see like the technical portion that was happening before that happened with them, you know, because all of those bullet, those bullet holes are what they call squibs, right? Like, yeah, you know, you shoot, they explode. So you had to rig up like hundreds of them. I want to see that portion. Oh, of cool. It. Like, yeah. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like, I'm pretty sure there was malfunctions here and there. Yeah. But, um, yep. That's, that's, that's the new scene that I want to see them do. Okay. Six. I'm good. If you're good. I think that's it. I hope it was satiable. Is that the right word? No. I hope it. I hope it was fulfilling for our audience. Satiating. Satiating. Okay, yes. there we go. I hope that this conversation was satiating <laughs> for our intelligent. Still wouldn't use the it there, offer but, audience. Yeah. I know. I'm, I just be trying to expand my vocabulary. Lazy. <laughs> you called it. Lazy would be on my ass. She, she, she don't, she don't hold no punches. That's not what that word means. Yeah, she don't hold no punches with that. She shout Lizzie out to Lazy. That's not the right word. <laughs> that is not what you was looking for. I appreciate it for that though. She keep me sharp. She keep me sharp. Um, for the for the, anybody who hasn't didn't follow directions at the beginning of the episode and take out their phone and yes. follow us on social six. Would you mind repeating our socials for them? Yes. On Instagram, we are grams of snow pod and on Twitter, we are grams of snow. Yeah. And, um, and for all the offered listeners, man, just make sure that you, you know, I'm sure you talk with other people in your office or on your job that watch the offer or other people in your family, just introduce them to the pod, baby. That's it. Just send them the little link. Don't even give an explanation. Just shoot it over there. So, uh, that's how that's how these things grow. Uh, the person to person express. So I guess with that being said, this was episode six of the offer. You will see us in a couple of days for episode five of We Own the City. Is it episode six? No, I think it's episode five. I think we just put out four. Episode five is tomorrow. We're almost done. We're almost there to the finish line. Two more weeks and we'll be back to regular six. <laughs> we'll get a piece of our life back. Oh, it is only four. That's mm -hmm. crazy. So it just feels like more, that's all. Because we're doing rapid fire here. Yeah. So two more episodes of We Own This City and about four more episodes of um, The Offer. The Offer. And then, you know, I guess you'll figure out what we're doing yeah, after yeah. that. There's um, some, but again, there's stuff in the works. We don't intend on leaving y'all with, with nothing ever again. So Right, right. That's not the plan. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, uh, thank you for joining us for this week and see you guys back soon. For episode seven of The Offer. And until next week. Bye, friends. <laughs> Why you just cut me off, yo? Because. Enough. <laughs> this has been an On Ear Network production.